Welcome to Tech Talks, the technology podcast publishing on Mondays and Thursdays. We tackle the issues facing our sector through the ideas and stories of industry founders, leaders, and tech enthusiasts. On today's podcast, we are talking to Shwetal Shah. She is an employee of Mediacom, but she's also one of the Forbes 30 under 30 in her category. But before that, I'm joined by Sean at Unbound London. Ooh, hello. Hence it being a little bit noisy. (laughs) Honestly, there's just curtains everywhere, so you can just hear the speaker stages all the time. I think Trim and Brewery is a really good venue. Mm, It is. But it is loud. Yeah, so it's really like nice, bright, white, spacious, but the sound. Let's go with Buzzy. Buzzy, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. There are a lot of people here, and the good thing about it is I genuinely think of all the conferences that I go to in London, this one is possibly best suited to serendipitous moments of bumping into people that you know, because there aren't big divisions between stands that Mm. make it difficult to see who's actually here. There's one big kind of exhibitor room, and it's like, oh, there's that person. Yeah. And that's quite cool. Yeah, it's really, yeah, I've just been wandering around, like, uh, just kind of chatting to startup founders of ones that I think are interesting. And it's a really great way to discover, like, new startups that you have no idea about. Like, yeah. uh, Save it. We will come to that. <laughs> we'll dive into the interview. Yes. Um, but save your thoughts on startups that you like. Okay. And we'll talk about that at the end of the show. Okay. All right. But yeah. first of all, we'll dive into the interview with Shwetal. Uh, stick with us so we'll be back with a few comments on that and then some commentary from Unbound on the first day of this two-day festival. Today we're talking to Shwetal. Thanks for giving some time up. How are you? Uh, I'm good, thank you. Having, you. having a busy week, you said? Yes, it's been really busy at work. You work here at Mediacom. Mm-hmm. If you don't mind me asking, just so the audience is aware, yeah. what role do you perform at Mediacom? Uh, so Mediacom, as an agency, uh, does a lot of media planning and buying for mm-hmm. large corporate companies. Uh, but within uh, this company, we created an innovation team two yep. years ago. It's called the Blink uh, Global Innovation Team. And within this team, we focus specifically on how we can help our clients um, solve their business challenges with the help of innovation and technology yeah. and how they can disrupt uh, from within their businesses and still be ahead of the competition. So we usually get um, briefs from uh, large consumer packaged goods companies and fast moving consumer goods companies. Mm-hmm. And based on the briefs that we get, we then, within our team, uh, we have technology partnerships planners, we have the global director of innovation. Um, what we do is we go out and look for different types of uh, tech startups that work within that area. So it's, it's large, it's a partnerships business, really. Yes, but it's, there's more to it than just oh, looking at um, what exciting startups are out there and then just uh, showcasing them to the client. Mm-hmm. We then also have to work out on uh, the specifics of what this pilot would look like for the client, mm-hmm. what markets they want to work in, because these are global clients, um, and also looking at issues that might come around regulation, for example, or policies. And then we undertake about six weeks of um, pilots, 
and then based on that we also like analyze the results and yeah. what's happening before during and after one one quick question because mm-hmm. there's a lot of talk about innovation yeah. has been over the last couple of years and if you actually talk about innovation at conferences now people tend to roll their eyes almost yeah oh god another talk on innovation and ai yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but specifically around innovation as someone who works in an innovation a global innovation team what would you say are the, are the chief reasons that innovation fails within any given organization yeah i guess uh, the word innovation itself is very um, jazzy and fluffy when mm-hmm. we talk about innovation people talk about oh i need a robot i need like really high tech machine learning and artificial intelligence but that for me is not innovation innovation is when you can actually um, incrementally make improvements in your processes or in the services and products that you offer to the customers and yeah. make their lives easier. That for me is actually innovation. Um, Which is interesting because when people talk about innovation, they do imagine the big kind of the hockey stick change, yeah. breaking something, putting yeah. it back together. Hey, exactly. look at this. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that is also interesting. Um, but that is just one way of how you could maybe stand out from your competitors in the market. But if you really want to gain market share, you need to be able to offer something mm. that is actually going to be helpful to the end user. Yeah. And so for like, for example, over the last two years, since this team was formed, we've um, come across over 2000 like tech companies mm. and innovative solutions. But what we refrain from doing is just showcasing like interesting or very what looks really cool, um, like robots or drones and introducing them to our clients. We focus on actually what would help them solve their business challenges in a better way. So uh, even though it's called innovation, sometimes it's not as glamorous as it sounds. Um, What a shame. Just burst that bubble. No. (laughs) So it's interesting to find out how you got into this job because you're Indian. Yes. Whereabouts in India are you from? Um, I'm from Mumbai. Yeah? Yeah. Following the Cricket World Cup at the minute? or Not sure. No, no, no. dear me. Found an Indian who's not interested in cricket. Okay, fine. Yeah. Uh, no, but your route into technology, you didn't study tech. No, I didn't. But um, you have been named by Forbes as one of the 30 under 30 in Asia, right? Yes, um, under the marketing and advertising category. Yeah, um, which is an amazing achievement, especially for someone who... I know it's under marketing and advertising, but yeah. you're in a technology role. It's, it's, it's because of your technology yeah. career that you're getting recognized. Mm-hmm. So that journey, and this is fun, right, for me, because often we talk to people in C-level roles. Yeah. You're obviously having a huge impact on the organizations that you're working for, but you're still reasonably at the start of that journey as well. Yes. Um, I think nowadays there's a lot of focus on like these lists and uh propelling younger people to a higher pedestal. Mm. I mean, I, I think these lists are all well and good, but that's not how one's work should be defined. Mm-hmm. And um, I personally don't think I've made any impact yet, or the impact that, um, like, obviously impact is very subjective, right? Uh, so I personally, as per my definition of impact, I don't think I've really made a dent on this universe yet. I've been lucky enough that I have been getting recognition uh, from like different news publications, etc. You also like found out about me and you approached me. Yeah. So I feel like I've been lucky that way. But at the same time, um, I, I don't think I've really made that much of a difference yet. Yeah, but that said, I mean, you you yourself are inspired 
by role models in the industry and some that are not so well known. And you are very keen to increase diversity in technology. Yeah. And, you know, you're, you're uh, a female from, in this country anyway, a minority group. Mm-hmm. So you say that you haven't had an impact, but at the same time, yeah. you could be someone that if someone's listening to the podcast and they want to get into the industry, you know, you, you've, you've come from India, you've got a job at MediaCom on a global scale in an innovation team. And yes, that list might not be how you define your work, but it's going to inspire them, surely. Yeah, I mean, I would hope. So actually, I really hate doing public speeches and interviews. Yeah, but I don't um, think anyone enjoys it. But there might be some people <laughs> who might like it. But I actually changed my perception about how I view all of this. Yeah. Uh, so one of my mentors last year was the deputy mayor of London for culture. And obviously, given her high profile, she has to do a lot of public spe- like public speeches almost once every day. Um, and so I told her, like, don't you really get uh, bored and tired of writing these speeches and then like giving these speeches? Mm-hmm. And she said that um, as a female, the way you show your leadership is by actually making your voice heard. And I thought that was very powerful in a way that um, we can actually use these platforms to inspire other people mm-hmm. who may be in the same position as you. So I feel like, yes, I have been quite lucky that I get people who approach me to, I guess, share my opinions. But now I've started considering how I could um, give voices to people who don't really have a voice. I see, yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess I could, maybe it's impactful in some way. Well, look, if we, if we scale it back to the, and this is my fault, I'm, I'm uh, ask, asking you questions all over the show, but... Uh, if we, if we take it back to that journey into technology, what did you actually study? Uh, so yeah, I uh, was born and brought up in Mumbai yeah. and I did my bachelor's in Mumbai as well. Mm-hmm. I did a bachelor's in mass media and I majored in advertising. Now the reason, like obviously India is also known as like the IT outsourcing hub. Yeah, that's it. I, that's an interesting yeah. thing. Cause, but it doesn't seem very diverse no. at the same time from in terms of the working population. Yes, exactly. And also like we have our own space agency. Right. Um, but it really, because India is so diverse and it's a huge country, mm. it depends on what region you actually grow up in. For example, um, a lot of the IT engineering happens in the south of India. Like all of our academics, um, mathematicians, engineers, research, scientific research, a lot of that is very prominent in the south of India. Forgive me, Mumbai's in the northeast? Uh, no, it's closer to the south. It's on the west coast. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. But that, not th- exactly. There we go. I've just shown my ignorance of geography there. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Uh, so, yeah, it's on the west coast. And okay. um, the two, like, so finance and advertising are right. like the major industries with, which dominate in Mumbai. Mumbai is also the financial capital of the country mm-hmm. and we have big media agencies. Um, we also have like our film industry, the ad industry. So a lot of people grow up uh, wanting to either go into banking or media okay. because that's what they've seen in their surroundings. And um, like, like you say, like you can't be what you can't see. So if you grow up not actually seeing engineers or doctors or even if like mainstream media doesn't talk about it, then you would never like as a child imagine, oh, this is something that I could do. So did you become aware of the possibility of a technology career whilst you were studying or post-study? So when I was in high school, uh, just before university, I we obviously had like physics, chemistry and biology and mm-hmm. I really enjoyed science and I really wanted to pursue science as well for 
further education. But again, why, why didn't um, like I didn't really know anyone that studied science. Um, so like I couldn't really ask anyone what it is. What is a career of a scientist like? Sorry, if you don't mind me jumping in, I mean, did you not feel encouraged by your teachers? No, uh, they didn't. Like, not in my school. We were never encouraged to go and pursue like science. We didn't really have careers advisors or people coming into our schools and telling us. And was that a general thing or, yeah. or a gender thing? Uh, no, that's a gen- general. I went to an all-girls school. All right, okay, I see. Yeah, so it's like a general thing. Um, education in India is very different to education mm-hmm. here. And then when you go, once you graduate high school, then you go to a college where for two years you either have to select economics and math and accounting or humanities or science. You can't really mix different subjects. So since then on, your like future ahead is set for you. Like the decision that you make at the age of 16 to study either economics or science then really affects your entire like career and life choices in India, UK is completely different. So I'm just talking about my experience. In no, of course, India. of course. Yeah, and so yeah, after I did that, um, the only choice was I could either go and study banking, finance, or media with my economics and accounting. Um, I guess the subjects I chose during my uh, college is when you're like 16 and 17. I couldn't go and pursue physics or chemistry. Um, or biology and so I chose mass media because a lot of my friends were doing it and I knew that those were the popular like industries which would employ people mm. so yeah I did my bachelor's um, whilst I was doing that a friend of mine had gone to the UK um, to do his like MBA in finance and he just told me that maybe you should consider going abroad um, just for an experience and that's it that conversation changed my life like after that I decided to maybe uh, go abroad um, and also see what it's like working abroad so I came to the UK and luckily because of how I guess university here is you have like people doing engineering people doing business all like within the same campus which you don't have back in India mm-hmm. so you have standalone colleges dedicated to standalone subjects um, so I never really had, had a chance to interact with like an engineer because I did mass media so I was like in this standalone college surrounded by people doing banking and mass media. So you said earlier on you don't know what you can't see. Yeah. And we did gloss over it slightly, but when you began to have slightly wider horizons, I suppose, and you got that advice yeah. to go and study abroad and have a look at how different countries maybe approach things, were there particular figures that you looked at that work within technology that you thought, you know, this is someone that I would aspire to be? Um, so there weren't any particular people, but there were particular events and right. things which led me to like actually want to work in this industry. So, for example, when I was at university doing my masters in Scotland, um, I met during like Freshers' Week. I met a friend, um, and he was in the engineering department, and we became good friends. And then he had this idea of wanting to like start an electric bike um, startup, and so he asked me to like help him. And as I started doing more research on it, I came across innovation departments, uh, incubators, uh, hackathons. So my very first hackathon was at the Transport Museum in Glasgow. That's when I got exposed to um, different, like, I guess, aspects of technology and innovation and just what hackathons are, the different people I met from so many different like disciplines, UX designers, um, coders, people like me who didn't really have 
technical uh, skills but i guess if you go to these things you can really like get a knowledge of what technology is and then because i was on a visa i had to like um i wanted to stay back so i started looking for jobs um and i could only apply to companies which had a license to sponsor my visa mm. so i came across um this company in london called one point consulting and at the obviously did like back end engineering um large systems architecture i had no idea what any of that was i just sent them sent them an email saying like look i'm looking for a job uh, here's my cv yeah. can i work in your marketing team and luckily i heard back from them uh, they took my interview at first they said just come in for an internship which i did on my student visa and after 4 months they were like do you want a job they sponsored my visa i was there for 3 years and so it's really crazy like i had no idea at all we just said yes to sir yeah um, i had no idea what all of that was and then i just applied and i got in and i guess by fluke because i got in that's how my journey in technology started so when i was in london well you create your you say fluke but you do create your own luck yeah but i had no idea what that company actually did like Course, i had okay, no idea yeah, what yeah. backend um, architecture was what what systems engineering was i had no idea what any of that was look the one thing i want to ask you then to 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 finish on um you are passionate about giving other people the opportunity to get into the industry uh and not everyone has a science background but the technology industry is a very broad church now yeah um if you're from a minority company uh, sorry if you're from a minority community and you're in the UK maybe you don't have the benefit of being at university and bumping into someone who's trying to start a startup yeah. but what can people access whether they're a female or they're black or they you know they're they're from an asian community where maybe it's a deprived part of the country and you know to be perfectly honest there are people who aren't aware that even the universities that are available to them are available to them so what what can they do to get inspiration and to go to events i think uh, being in the uk there is such a huge outreach of getting more people in tech and engineering like it just amazes me and i wish this existed even in india but there are so many groups and organizations like for example if we just focus on women mm-hmm. like organizations like stemx which start with kids as young as 9 years old right where they run org- like they run these coding workshops and they invite like schools and students and girls as young as 9 to learn about coding uh, you have the raspberry pi um, workshops um, then you have things like code first girls there is also mozilla foundation mm. and they run moz fest in london and again it's aimed at very young people starting at the age of 5 and for them like it's almost free to attend this 3 day long festival in london where they have a youth zone dedicated just for young people between the ages of 5 to like 17 and they invite like people from all over the world to run workshops that could inspire young people so when we're talking about 5 year olds and 9 year olds yeah what we're really then having to do is reach out to parents from deprived areas who want yeah. to give their children an opportunity that maybe they didn't have. Yeah, exactly. And I guess uh that's where it really starts because parents are the ultimate I guess role models and people who could inform you about career opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I know that a lot of um like even within schools there are a lot of people who go and like I guess give speeches in schools about how they got into um doing what they are doing um but yeah I guess that there still aren't many organizations that um just target parents for example 
um, I know that the British Science Association, they run like annual week-long science festivals. The European Union also does a push on like code week. Mm. Um, and now I guess because of social media and media in general talking about coding and engineering and even the government, um, they started the Institute of Coding last year. There's a lot of talk about it, so there's awareness about it. But if parents aren't actually going to be proactive and look for, oh, how can I give my kids these engineering toys? How can I take them to these like software classes? Then it's it's quite hard um, unless like they somehow just find out about it. Yeah. So a lot more needs to be done to inform parents as well. Yes. Oh, look, thank you for your time. <laughs> it's great to hear that you found a, an outlet, a niche for your enthusiasm and passion here at MediaCom. Thank you. Uh, I hope that it continues to go well and fingers crossed you can inspire some parents to give their kids an opportunity and, and enter the industry. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> okay, the first point, very quick one. Isn't it great to hear from a young female from a minority background in the technology sector? Yeah, it really is because it's still really rare um, and it just from speaking, like listening to her, like she's so humble and sweet and doesn't really think a lot of like what she's done or achieved. Um, whereas, you know, and you were kind of saying like people looking in, you know, she's on a 30, under 30 list. She's moved countries and is like smashing it in a great tech job. Um, but it just goes to show how, just goes back to the London bubble that we always talk about. Um, how our perceptions of, of, kind of the tech world or like working in tech is completely different. I mean, she, she, she is exactly the kind of character you should put up on a pedestal and say, look, it doesn't matter where you are from in the world, yeah. what your gender is, what your background is. You know, she doesn't have initially a tech background, yeah, yeah. but you can succeed in this industry. You can make a positive difference on people and, and that should be lauded. Yeah, definitely. Um, but then on the other side, it's it's so much, so much pressure on her to be that role model that other people that aren't from minorities don't have. Like they are kind of just, because they're the kind of usual faces you see, it's just there's not that pressure to be the voice, like she mentioned, to give a voice to the people that don't have a voice and like to be a role model and to inspire people. That's a lot of pressure and it's good, like it's really good if she can do that, um, especially for, you know, education systems like in India where she was saying that, you know, girls are really not... Into, pushed into science uh, it's really positive but it's just such pressure on individuals because not everyone wants to be a role model or I, like I, lo I love that that also puts into, into under the microscope the whole pipeline issue thing mm. like we often talk in this country that you can get some some girls who are fantastic um, when they're in their late teens or mid-teens even when it comes to science and mathematics and engineering or maybe not engineering at school but science and maths um, and then teachers and parents put them off mm. and there it's it's, we don't have that culture here in the UK, but that's taken a step further, obviously, in India, whereas there, there is that culture of certain industries in certain towns. Yeah. And she had to swim against the uh, swim against the current on that one. Yeah, she did so well to completely break away from what was kind of predestined for her. Like, I couldn't believe when she was saying that, you know, when you grow up in Mumbai, you either go into finance or advertising, because that's the two things you see, because... Yeah, I grew up knowing pretty much every job you could possibly have. And from early, I remember always being asked, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And kind of the sky was your limit with that, really. Even if it probably wasn't that possible as you got older, you'd realise that. But you were always, you know, given that freedom to to expand. So, 
yeah, it's always it's really really heartwarming to to hear her story. Definitely. I also, um, on a last comment, think it's great as well because it, 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 it to me. It suggests that Mediacom have a really healthy environment. Um, yeah. Back in December, I think it was, we published the chat that we had with Deirdre McGlasson um, out in Portugal for Web Summit. Yeah. And she's the global CIO of Mediacom. And it's a really strong female voice at the top of the organization. And I think that makes it easier for the business as a whole to go, you know what, here's someone who doesn't have a typical background into technology. But let's let's take them on and nurture it because she's obviously got a lot of passion and talent. I think I think that speaks volumes. Definitely looking outside the box a little bit and uh, giving people a chance when they deserve it. It's great, and also to remember uh, the way she described innovation was great. It's yeah, not yeah. always the flashy, glamorous things. It's sometimes simply just things that make make systems, processes, uh, products easier to use yeah. and easier for businesses and work better. Uh, and that is definitely something that I think a lot of um, a lot of uh, people in tech could learn, so they stop throwing it around. <laughs> we'll preach on that point. Uh, right, okay. We're going to go to our advert break, uh, and when we come back, we will have a couple of quick comments uh, on the first day of Unbound. And if you're listening to this on Thursday morning, well, it's probably not too late to get down to Truman Brewery if you're in London and, and come and sample day two for yourself. It's nearly the summer holidays, but school isn't quite out because General Assembly, a pioneer in education and career transformation, specializing in today's most in-demand skills, have an offer for you. So GA offer a wide range of programs in web development, data science, user experience design, digital marketing, product management, and lots more. And for you, for our listeners, they've got an offer of 25% off their classes and workshops by applying the code TECHTALKS25 at the checkout. There are some terms and conditions. They asked me to ramp them. Frankly, that's not going to happen. But I can tell you that the code is valid until August the 31st. And it's not applicable to GA's full-time, part-time or online circuit courses. Once the code's applied, workshop tickets are non-transferable. The discount code cannot be retroactively applied to workshop tickets already purchased or used in conjunction with other discount codes. One thing, as a former technology recruiter, I can tell you that there's a real shortage of some of these skills in the market. So, with all this beautiful weather that we're having, I reckon there are far worse uses of your time than getting down there and doing a bit of continuous learning. Right, you mentioned right at the top, top of the show, startups that have caught your eye. So, it was actually one that I wasn't really going to go to because it was a fintech startup and personally, I'm interested but it's not top of my list of interests yeah. or, uh, yeah, like I care more about health tech or like infrastructure and all things like that. So, I was like, nah, but the guy like kind of caught my eye and uh, get started pitching to me uh, and it was Pigsy and it's a like current account. So imagine it's a bit like Monzo, but it's for right. kids over six. Um, so it has, it's like an app where you play. What, what, what money do kids over six have? I'm assuming this yeah. isn't money, right? So it is money. Oh, it it's, is money. It's money that parents like give them as like gifts or like chores or whatever. So it's obviously for, you know, parents of, uh, you know, 
affluent parents uh, that can afford to pay their kids when they like you know clean their room or, or maybe whatever. it's like when a grandma gives you 10p so yeah, don't spend it all exactly it will be little things like that <laughs> like even now I'm 23 and like my nan will still like try and give my mum a fiver and my mum's in West Brom I'm in London so then my mum will be like oh we're going to ping you over a fiver because you know like, and my nan will still write me a cheque so hey, I do that's a, that's, that's, a, that's a subway right yeah so yeah, exactly a pint exactly but... so <laughs> if you can kind of get past the disturbing idea of, of a kid being like managing an account when they're six <laughs> it, it does I think uh, have really interesting basis because we are going cashless as a society uh, and it's going to become less common that people are giving like money and cards and things like that especially when these kind of kids are growing up right. I, th- I, fi- I find this interesting because I was chatting to Hasty Pay CEO yesterday yeah. Hasty Pay um, are similar to Waitstream who we've had on the show before and um, James Herbert who's the CEO gave me this stat that the most stressed financial people in the country are Londoners between the salaries of 50 and 150k because they don't manage their finances and they have to track things of everything that goes with that lifestyle in terms of school fees and all these other bits of business you might go 50 to 150k what could you be possibly stressed about but if you try and put two kids through fee paying school and whatever else and you don't manage your finances correctly Yes, of course, there's massive pressure on low-income fa- families, yeah, yeah. but actually, there's general mismanagement of finances right across the spectrum. So I suppose if there's something that allows kids to understand the value of money from an yeah, early exactly. age, that's really cool. Exactly, because he's a dad himself, and I was asking, do you know, do you think it's a positive that kids are surrounded uh, by money and the idea of managing and having and owning and all of that, like distributing money from such an early age? Um, because I was just like, my worry is, is it going to make them a bit too money focused from an early age? Is it going to, uh, would it lead to kind of like selfish? I don't know. Like it was just the kind of the things I was thinking, but you know, he was saying as a dad now, and obviously I'm not a kid now, so I'm not aware of this, but he was saying kids at the minute, they don't know the difference between digital and real money because they're playing all these games. that have money. Exactly. So they think it's not real, but it is. So it's like his thought was trying to get them to understand. Because they're getting skins on Fortnite. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Trying to get them to understand that from an early age. And um, like he was saying, you know, Monzo has helped adults. So it's like, this is the version for kids. What's it called? Uh, Pigsy. Pigsy. Pretty cute. You get, get a little like. I'll, I'll go find them. I'll yeah. go find them and see yeah. if they'll come on the show. Yeah, exactly. Uh, look, it's Thursday when you're listening to this, or I hope it is. Maybe it's Friday or Saturday, but there we go. But if it is Thursday uh, and you're listening to this and it's the second day of Unbound, I moderate a panel, Will Tech Save the World at 2 30 on the main stage. So I can listen to that. But other than that, Sean, thanks for listening to Thanks for your time. You're welcome. And we'll talk to everyone on Monday.